Hey everyone, I'm Jasper. And I'm Stefano. And welcome to Make the Jump, where our mission is to find unique experiences, perspectives, and mindsets of individuals from all walks of life. If there's one thing we know, success comes in many different forms, and it's our goal to find out just how diverse it can be. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you, the listener, what we learn from some of the most successful people we know. So let's jump right in. Today's guest is widely regarded as the greatest Italian basketball player of all time. He has represented the Italian national team, has played for the New York Knicks, Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Clippers, and is now fighting for a championship with the Oklahoma City Thunder. With that, please welcome Danilo Gallinari. Danilo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Uh, well, we want to start with, uh, we know you're in the NBA bubble right now. How, is, uh, how has that been for you so far? I know it's only been a couple of weeks now, but what's going on there? Uh, the bubble is pretty good. I mean, they, they set it up uh, perfectly. Uh, we, we have a lot of activities that we can do other than basketball. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the gym, of course, but uh, you know, that's, that's good that we're going to start playing games starting tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Have you been able to like, uh, keep your mentality sharp in the ball? Cause I know it's kind of weird, like kind of being in a hotel campus kind of thing and you're not really at home or at the training facility. How has that been to be able to kind of stay sharp on your game? Uh, it's a little bit different, but as, as a guy like me that spends a lot of time in the summer with the Italian national team is very similar to what we go through and what we do in the summer with the team, with the Italian team. So uh, it's nothing new uh, to me. The, the weirdest thing is just to play without fans. That's the, the, the adjustment that uh, we all need to uh, you know, do, but I, I'm sure that we'll be fine. Yeah, I was going to say something and you know, it's the same for for soccer i'm a soccer player and i'm watching you know syria i'm watching all these leagues and of course no one's no one's there do you think there's like an element to like kind of like youthfulness a little bit like it reminds you of like when you used to play without lots of fans it's kind of just the heart of the game you know yeah i think so uh, you you need to go back mentally a little bit uh you know yeah. of course it's something that i haven't experienced in a while since i'm not that young anymore but <laughs> it's Definitely is definitely uh, similar to that feeling when, you know, when, when, when it was just a couple of parents uh, in the stands and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it'd be very like humbling, just like nice to just kind of, you just hear the voices and it's just very like organic, you know? Yeah. Yes. Right on. Well, we wanted to kind of get started with a little bit of your, uh, your history and your story getting to where you are today. So we know you grew up in uh, Italy in a little town close to Milan, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how was it? How was it like growing up in your family, especially with? Uh, if you can tell us a little bit about how your father played basketball and how it was fostering basketball into your life. Yeah, so my dad was a professional uh, basketball player for uh, uh, nineteen seasons, uh, and so uh, that's a long career, pretty good career, uh, winning a lot of titles overseas. So I, I always grew up, you know, with him playing basketball and watching him. Practicing. I was very young when he retired, so I don't have uh, you know a lot of memories about specific games. But 
um, it was great. It was great for me. And, you know, they, they never, my, my dad and my mom, they never forced me to play basketball. It's something that came very natural. And so I loved it since the beginning and still love it now. So, um, but it, it was pretty cool um, to, to have, to have a, a dad that was, you know, uh, famous and he was very good in basketball too. Do you remember when it was when you kind of started first playing on your own kind of with your dad, but then also on your own? Yeah, I was around like five years old. And then, and then I started going to the gym to see him practicing like when I was six and six or seven years old. And that's when I started practicing a little bit with my uh, teammates. We had a team, a coach. And so that's when we were like practicing maybe like two or three times a week. Um, and then, you know, from there, the practicing kept going a little harder and harder every year, but, um, it was good. When, so I'm a little bit backstory about me as well. I'm trying to play pro soccer. So I'm following the same athletic dream as you had when you were a young guy. And I'm wondering, you know, when, of course, it's always a dream when you're young and to be watching your dad and what a great role model to see that. But when did it become a sense of like, no, I really want to do this with my life? Or was it always like, I'm, I want to do this? Um, I think I was maybe 15, 16. Uh, I actually signed my first contract when I was 16. And so that became, you know, my dad took care of everything, the contract situation, but that became more real to me, you know, when you start making a little money and playing for a professional team. Uh, when you're playing with guys that are 30, 35 years old, and I was just 16, so that was a big, uh, that big step. Uh, but even when I was like 15, uh, my dad told me later in their years, maybe when I was like 19 or 20, that back when I was 15, 16, some scouts were already coming overseas and in Italy to uh, to see some tournaments that we were playing. So um, the attention was was always there, uh, and so around that age, I was like you know i want to i want to do it i want to be a, a pro so yeah and you said you were 16 when you signed your first contract so how was do you have a little bit of advice for younger athletes who are kind of having to play at levels older than them and having to compete with people who might be bigger stronger taller um well con contract wise i was very uh, lucky to have my dad on my side because i see and i saw a lot of uh, guys that grew up with me and they were not managed in the right way and they, they were, you know, going for that contract or for the money instead of going for their growth and what, what team was better for them to expand their game. And so I was lucky on that, on that regard. Uh, in terms of like, um, you know, basketball, it's, uh, it's always about uh, putting more work than the others. Uh, and there, there were some kids at that age that they were bigger than me, stronger than me, less talented, but they were ahead of me. And so in some, you know, regional selections, I didn't get picked, but they did. And, and so, um, you know, I, was, I wasn't the, the biggest guy or the fastest guy, but I was for sure the guy that was working, working out more than the others. And so uh, that, that, you know, that got me through uh, a lot of, you know, uh, selections and, and team selections in that age and got me where I am today. You just found yourself you found yourself more really overworking other people. You were just putting in the time. Yeah. More than other people. I think that that's, that's key. Not just for a guy that you, you could see that I had talent, maybe more talent than the average, of course, but 
um, if if you don't if you don't you know uh, relate the talent to the work ethic that you put in, you know you're not gonna find the best version of yourself, and that's that's the goal that everybody should have. Yeah, um, you know, so it's it's an interesting thing. Training, training when people aren't looking. It's something that I'm thinking about always as a player trying to make the jump in my own sense to be pro. How how did how can you decipher when it's like too much work and when it's just enough? Because you know, there's some times where, and I'm sure you've fallen and see this with any injuries you've had, overworking, or any guys on the teams that you've been on. But you know, it, we love to train, but sometimes we have to pull ourselves back and it's hard to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so right now, the biggest difference from when I was younger and now is that now I know when to pull out and I know when, you know, I did my job and that's it for the day. Uh, the coaches that I had when I was younger, they were uh, busting my ass every day. <laughs> so I would spend, you know, a lot of time in the gym. And so sometimes uh, when I was in, not a lot of times, I, can, I went back to them and said, hey, listen, I need to practice more because I would I was literally spending like entire afternoons, like four or six hours in the gym working out mm. uh, basketball. So that was enough. But when, when it, you know, I was lucky that I had very good coaches. And, and so sometimes when you want to do that workout or you want to work out more because you feel that you didn't do enough, you got to have the right coach that, you know, is smart enough to, to do, to say to you, okay, let's do this, let's do that. So you do some more specific work instead of just working out like crazy with no goals. And you, uh, you took a couple, like, I think two or three years in professional sports in Italy specifically and in Europe. How, how was the journey for you in those three, four years of uh, European play that you had to kind of up your level every year to get to where you wanted to be eventually? Yeah, so it was, uh, uh, basically, I started when I was at 16, I was in third division, and then at 17 in, in the second division. And then um, when I was 18, I was in first division in Milan. And that's when, you know, it was the year before I came to the to the NBA. Uh, every year was a tougher level. So you go from every every step, every division, you have more Americans coming, so more the level is higher, more people from around Europe and so the level is higher and you're playing with different players every year in a different league and that's that takes a lot of you know uh, adjustment and and hard and good mentality and you know trying to overcome all the all the obstacles that you are going to find with new teammates and new season every year yeah I think I think one thing that I want to touch on which is really interesting is when you're young and you find this amazing, really awesome success, you've worked hard, you're 18, you're in Milan. What's that like, like managing, you know, like girls and popularity and training? And how do you, when you're in that place, maybe some advice to give to younger guys who are stepping into the professional realm and your experience also? Um, so it's not easy to handle all of that, especially in Milan. Um you know, uh, capital of uh, fashion in, in the world. So you, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of hot girls for sure. In <laughs> uh, but that's, that was, you know, in the morning, when I was 18, in the morning, I was going to school. Mm. And in the afternoon, I was practicing. And so the only free time that I had was at night to go out for a little dinner. But the next day, I had to go to school and practice again. 
So the schedule that I had was very tough. Uh, so I didn't have that, that a lot of time just to go out and party. Um, on, on, on the other, you know, another thing that helped me a lot was my family. Because uh, sometimes, you know, when you are the MVP of the league or everybody knows you or you start becoming famous and people recognize you're, you, you could, you could, you know, think that you are the man too much. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, you need the family to pull you back and, you know, humble uh, yourself a little bit. Um, but I was never, you know, because of them, because of my family, I was never the guy that was going crazy. Uh, with all the stuff outside yeah. the basketball court. Yeah, it's important. I mean, we, and this is something we always talk about. And I think we'll continue to touch on in the podcast, which is the importance of family. Were there like, were there any values that your mom and dad said, hey, we want you to be this way or we want you to notice these are things that are important to our family that kind of gave you a base to be, to be a good man? Well, the first thing is that until I was doing school and basketball, the most important thing for my family was school. So if I was, if I was going to school and I was coming back home with a bad test or a bad result, that would be a terrible day for me because mm. that, that would kick my ass. Uh, if, I had a, if I had a bad day in basketball, it was, you know, whatever. Uh, the most important thing was school. And then when it got to the point where I was, you know, playing professional, so it was school and professional basketball, it was, it was just work ethic. Uh, you know, they were saying, okay, you go to the gym, uh, you got to make sure that when you finish practice, you are very tired and you know that you are, you worked harder than the other guys. That, that's, that was the, the, the main thing that they, they taught. And then I know you, um, from Milan, you went to, um, you were kind of like upping your level while you were there as well. You started, you, like you said before, you started to gain some traction with, uh, us scouts, European scouts. How was that process like of kind of getting ready to declare for the NBA draft? And what was that whole thing like in terms of actually getting to the NBA? Um, yeah, so like I said before, in all this process, I was very lucky to have my dad doing all that because my dad is a basketball agent right now in Italy. So he was my agent back when I was in Italy. The first thing that you need to do is to pick an agent. So mm-hmm. when I, while I was playing, my dad was having these meetings with his uh, NBA agents either on the phone or in person when they were coming uh, all the way to Italy. Um, But um, so that's the first thing that you need to do. And then after that, you know, your agent can put your name uh, in the draft and you can, you can talk to teams to, to feel a little bit what could happen in the draft. And after that, you know, you finish the season and you decide, okay, I'm going to declare, declare myself for the draft. So they know they got your name and they can start picking, you know, your, pick your name. And after that, you know, you go in the summer, you, you come to New York and you go through the draft workouts before the draft. So you start working out for all the teams that are interested in you. And after that, you know, I don't even remember, June 26 or 28th. Um, that's, that's the draft night that was in New York at the garden back then. I think that now they do it in New Jersey or Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was the, the, the whole process. And you got drafted by the New York Knicks, which is a big kind of, uh, difference between Italy and, and the United States. That's like the brightest stage in the United States to be able to get drafted to. Were you expecting um, to be drafted kind of by the Knicks or anywhere close in the lottery like you were? You were drafted sixth overall, so 
Yeah, there were. Uh, I worked out for only four teams in the draft, and so it was uh, New Jersey, uh, New York, uh, Memphis, and Minnesota. So I knew that those four teams were interested in me. Uh, between the, the all these teams, I think that the team that also because Mike D'Antoni was the coach in New York, I thought that that was the best situation for me, and so we tried to work that deal out. And I didn't know anything until they called they called Russell Westbrook at the fourth. And then my agent gave me the phone, and there was the GM, uh, Donnie Walsh of the Knicks, uh, calling me saying, "I'm going to see you tomorrow." So that's that's what that's what happened that draft night. But I didn't know anything until they called the uh, they called Russell. Wow, and what was what was that uh that feeling like getting drafted? I know that's something that kids dream about, especially a kid from Italy. How was that? It's, it's crazy, especially like you said, being drafted by the Knicks is is different. It's different. And also, I knew they 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 booed the shit out of me that night. Oh, wow! Uh, they really they they were saying all kinds of stuff, and it was not. But I knew it because my agent told me. So it was, you know, Knicks fans are they could they can be tough. Um, but I had a great time in New York, so I was able, you know, to uh, change those boos in uh, applauses. So good for me. I think another thing I want to say was. Then, so you start in Italy, you do well in Italy, but then having to come over even to an even higher level, you're talking about the best league in the world for the sport. What were there any more things again where you're like, oh, I, I feel myself getting a little too confident, I got to bring it down? Like, where, what was your inner dialogue at that time? How to keep your head in the right place? So, like, like I said, family first, but then when you come to the NBA, uh, you're starting from zero. The year before, I won the MVP of the Italian League, and I was the best under-22 player of the EuroLeague. Um, that doesn't mean anything, nothing. You come to the NBA, you have to start from, from scratch. Nobody knows you, and nobody cares about you. You need, to, you need to, you know, still show yourself, prove yourself, and prove everybody wrong or what they think about you, stereotypes, all kinds of stuff. And so... Um, I was just starting from from zero. It was it was a little tough at the beginning, especially because I had injuries right away. Um, but you know, it's a process that I guess everybody goes through. But for sure, for a European guy, I think that the process is a little tougher too. And what was it like when you actually got to the Knicks and you started playing and practicing and meeting all your new teammates? What was it like actually having to kind of gain some respect and prove yourself in the in the biggest stage? It was a tough and an interesting process. Tough because, you know, you play against the best players in the world and you are 19, so it's it's always tough. And every night you have to prove that you can play in the league and you're playing against Kobe and LeBron and all these uh, amazing, amazing players. So, uh, But at the same time, it's very motivating. You wake up every morning going to the gym, you know, trying to be better than your teammates. And then when you go and play against somebody else, you're trying to be better than them. So... It's a challenge every day. And did you have a, a welcome to the NBA moment that you can remember that uh, somebody kind of like showed you what was the real NBA, what the real NBA was like? Um, well, I had a, you know, the first time that I played against Kobe, uh, mm. it was great because, you know, we were speaking in Italian and he was very nice to me. Uh, but also the first time that I played against LeBron, you know, at the end of the game, he comes and talks to me, you know, all these players that maybe the, the years before I was just looking on TV in Italy, uh, being able just to talk to them, I think that that's, that showed me 
uh, a lot and you know you take it and you are so happy that you have a lot of you know energy to go to the gym the next day and it's like it's like i made it i'm talking to these guys but it's also like oh no i'm coming for you too right yeah it's gotta, gotta be both it's gotta yeah. be both. you gotta after you talk to them it's like okay i thought i've been talking to these idols but you know i still gotta be gallo and go on the court and try to be better than them so yeah i was i was listening to another podcast about a a player from the premier league and he was saying in his time to get in on man city he'd always you know get the jersey of the guy after and uh just out of respect you know it's cool to have these jerseys on the walls and you know put them up in your house and as he gets older he was like no i'm competing with you and guys started getting jerseys from him have you have you kind of seen like that kind of dynamic where now you're starting to kind of lead lead guys and you know be the one who talks to them yeah for sure it's a process that you know happened to uh, almost every player especially when you play so many years like me uh, you know of course you have i'm playing i'm 31 almost 32 and i'm playing with guys that are 19 mm. so it's a, it's a huge difference and you know you see these guys that they were uh you know that when when i got to the league they were not even i don't even remember where they were maybe in, in school what great so mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's uh, it's really amazing the process that young players go through, but also older players like me. And then you you kind of established yourself in New York a little bit. You played um, two solid seasons. I know you had some injuries, but you played. You kind of showed who you were in New York. And then I know in I think 2011 you ended up getting traded to the Denver Nuggets. How was that um, experience like? Especially getting to know what the business of the NBA the business side of the NBA truly was and not just uh, the, the game itself. Yeah. So the, the trade was the biggest um, business shock of my career because, you know, I thought that I was going to be in New York for many years. Uh, but then after you get traded, you start to understand how the business works, how the NBA works. Uh, the fact that the NBA is a crazy business, you have no control on this these trades and stuff and so it happens it happens and the next day you gotta be able to play with another like 12 12 different new teammates uh, so um it's 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 something that you get used to it it was the first time for me uh it happened last last summer uh, again from you know la to okc but of course it was way easier this time because i had you know more experience under my belt was there any kind of mentality issues or like were you was there a time where you found yourself kind of really upset about what about that trade to Denver and uh, you didn't know what was going to happen was there a time that you remember yeah I was um, I was you know mad because I was talking to the coach and the GM they didn't want to do it uh, but I, I think that then the owner the owner came in and the trade had to go through so uh, it was uh, it was upsetting a little bit uh, it's something that you know, I thought that would never happen, but it did. And so I think that my agent called me, it was like 10.30 at night. And he told me, listen, tomorrow you got to go to Denver. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I was, tomorrow I got practice with the team. He said, no, 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 you got to go to Denver and have practice, but with 15 new guys. <laughs> oh my God. So it's, it's just crazy, but you know, you get, you get used to it and you, you, you are ready uh, to do it if it happens. I can't even imagine. It's so off-putting, you know? It's like just to be able – and not only – it feels like a little bit of the structure of the NBA is very, like – it's kind of out of your hands, you know? Like 
the travel schedule is so crazy, you know, and yeah. the the trading, how the league is just kind of, I mean, the, the teams are kind of just telling you, okay, time to go here, man. Time to go here, man. Yeah, it builds in this level of adversity, you know? That's the way it is. That's, that's the, you know, is a tough part of it. At the same time is, uh, is why the NBA works too. Because uh, mm. the system that they have created that, uh, you know, with, with these trades and everything, it makes the system work. So. And then how are you, how is it kind of uh, establishing a home in Denver? Because you got traded there and you kind of took the opportunity into your hands and you ran with it. How was it kind of establishing yourself and kind of finding your, your place in Denver? Uh, well, the process was uh, very, you know, smooth and nice. Uh, fortunately, I got into a, a very uh, great franchise, a winning franchise with an amazing coach. And so as soon as we got in, we felt, you know, that uh, we were in a place where we were going to win. And my first, you know, three seasons there were amazing. Uh, and then, you know, I was lucky enough to stay there for seven years, uh, which is pretty rare for a player, you know, to be in the same city for the same team for seven years. And that's why, you know, Denver for me is my second home. Mm. Very, very. It's, it's interesting how, like, um, out of these times that, and I, it comes back for athletes and we know it all too well, how something that seems completely, you know, arbitrary or, or, you know, just like we've fallen into a ditch can turn into this graceful, amazing, uh, flourishing opportunity. And it's credit to you that you create that for yourself, but it's just an insight on life. You know, it's crazy how that kind of happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have, you have to like you, like you said, you got to take that that opportunity. You know, uh, is is another obstacle, but you don't have to see it as an obstacle. You need to see it as a new challenge, and and that was a new challenge for me. And you know, I was able to do pretty well over there, so um, I was very happy on how it turned out. Well, one thing I remember that uh, one of the big things that happened for you in Denver aside from all the success that you guys had was your injury in Denver. I think it was, uh, the big, one of the bigger injuries of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened with uh, that injury and how you kind of had to get into the right mindset to come back? Yeah, the, the injury, I had a ACL, uh, I tore my ACL and my both meniscus on my, uh, left knee. Uh, and it was the worst moment ever because we were one of the best teams in the, in the West. Uh, we were, third in the west we were you know predicted to go to the finals and it was an amazing season and it happened right before the playoffs so really like the worst timing ever um but you know like i said that the team the franchise helped me a lot they were very close to me they helped me out a lot and i was lucky to be in a franchise with great people uh that they were you know helping me literally 24 7 every day for that rehab and you know, got the surgery done. Unfortunately, the 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 doctor that did the surgery on me, uh, you know, messed up the surgery, so it messed mm-hmm. up my knee a little more. Wow! So did uh, did the surgery. I did eight months of rehab, and I found out that after eight months, I was playing one on one without an ACL. Wow! And so I did uh, another surgery, another six months of rehab, and oh finally, I was able to play again. So it's, oh my it's, god. I can't even imagine. I tore my ACL in um, January of 2019, so I know exactly what you went through. It's different because it's soccer and basketball, but 
I mean, it's crazy even that, you know, you have this surgery and you're like, okay, I'm doing well. And I know what it's like to get to that six month mark. You're like, or the eight month, really the first one, you're like, I'm flying, I'm flying. Yeah. And then just to be called back and it's like, there's no way I can't even, I can't imagine that part. Yes, it was tough, but it was another challenge. I always take it, you know, everything, the, the way that I see it is that everything happens for a reason. And you got to find that positive reason in whatever happens to you and yeah. just turn, turn into something great. And, you know, you got to be strong mentally because I know that a lot of players didn't do it. A lot of players were not able to do it. A lot of players were able to come back, but not like the player they were before. Yeah. And I can say that I was able to come back stronger than before. So that's, uh, I'm very proud of that. And after, after six years of being in Denver and kind of, having success with the nuggets and being able to reflect on that time, what would you say looking back on it now that Denver as the city and Denver as the franchise mean to you and who you are today? Uh, they, they mean a lot because I was able, even, even nowadays, I'm still talking to the people that I was working with my first three years, my fourth, fifth and sixth and seventh season. I still talk to the, the guys that are working at the nuggets right now. Uh, they were able, it's a very, uh, like family oriented environment. Like when you, when you play there, you really feel that. And it's honestly the same, a very similar feeling to here in OKC. Um, of course you're not, you're not in LA or New York, so not big cities, smaller cities where it's, I think is key to create that, uh, family, uh, environment, uh, in a, in a franchise. And so that, that's something that I always remember about Denver and that's why like I said that's why I still talk to the president to the owner to the GM I still talk to all these guys I wanted to before we fully exit your time in Denver with the injury I wanted to just touch a little bit more on that because injuries are sports your use you are signing a waiver as soon as you decide to be the best athlete you can be you're just signing a waiver to to get knocked up you know to get pushed around and get into difficult situations and um what was i just want to know from your perspective i'm genuinely interested because for me it was the same i was like well if i'm injured this is going to be the best thing i've ever done in my life i'm gonna i'm gonna come out of this do the best acl rehab i've ever done anyone's ever done period when you're coming back out of an injury what were some of the things that were going through your head and some of these, you know, demons that you have to think about, oh, am I cutting too hard? Is my knee buckling inside? You know, were you overcomplicating things? Or are you saying, oh, I'm just, I'm going to trust it. Because I was having that kind of dialogue. I'm just curious as to what kind of was going through your head. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when once, you know, nowadays, uh, ACL uh, surgery is kind of a routine surgery. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple surgery to do. Uh, and so when you are coming back, the structure, you have the mental, the mental uh, process is the toughest one. Body-wise, physically-wise, you are, you're going to be fine. The structure is there and the knee, uh, maybe I, a lot of players, it happens that that knee becomes stronger than the healthy knee. So uh, it, like, like I said, this, you have to tell yourself that the structure is there. You need to trust it. And the last step is the mental step. You know, my first, uh, when I was coming back, 
I was not able to do the same move that got me injured. I wasn't able to do it for months. Every time I was, go, I was going to that same situation in the game, I was, not, I was trying not to do it. I was scared. I was just keep thinking about it. But then, you know, after practice, after practice, after game, slowly, slowly you find a way to go through that motion again and just be confident that you're going to be fine. I, I agree. It's, it's weird. It's almost kind of seamless. I remember, I remember getting my clearing test, which, you know, is like, you know, you have to do like the triple hop and do all these different kind of things. And just kind of being like, all right, well, I guess now it's time to go back. And it's like, I actually feel more driven on the other side too. I have so much more excitement about the game and I don't take it for granted now. I'm wondering if for you, it was like every second now has so much more purpose. Was there a sense of that for you? Yeah, it's the same, the same thing. Uh, the same thing is because, you know, if everything goes so well for you every time, you don't understand uh, other situation and you take everything from, gra- from granted. But when actually this stuff happens, it, it humbles. It humbles you and, and makes you go through stuff that maybe, you know, a lot of players don't go through because they, they don't get that kind of injury or those. They don't have to go through that kind of rehab. Um, but it definitely makes you, makes you stronger. So. Yeah. Yeah, Stefan, I don't know if you have anything to say. Well, I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's definitely a test of your mentality when you're, when you get that kind of injury. And I know you had to, since you had to go through kind of two stages of it with, an, with another yeah. surgery, I think it kind of, it shows a sense of resilience that you had and a sense of determination to get back, which I think was really special for you. And then leading into the next stage of your career where you went into um, a new situation with the LA Clippers, um what was that move like for you kind of also having to leave a place like Denver that you kind of established as your home and a place that you felt comfortable how was that move to a place like LA um well it was you know uh, it was um it was not a trade so it was free agency so you know it was a little different because I decided to come to LA um I was just you know looking at the table and the teams that they were interested in me and the best team that I thought it was the best team uh, for me to play in that I would find myself in the best situation with them. And so that's why, that's why I, you know, I signed. It was a very easy signing because, you know, the Clippers, they put a lot of pressure on me. They really trying, you know, they were really trying to welcome me to uh, LA and I felt that and I'm, I was grateful. I will always be grateful for that to Doc, to Steve Ballmer and all the people that were in those meetings. Uh, so it was, it was a, a very fun process, to be honest, you know, when you're a free agent, the free agency is always a fun process. And what was the immediate reaction to the differences between first moving to New York and first moving to Los Angeles? Cause I know it's two different cities, but also there are some similarities. So how was that? Um, I think that, uh, you know, you get just like in New York is a little crazy. You get a lot of opportunities, a lot of stuff that in Denver or OKC will never happen. Uh, you get to go to movie premieres that <laughs> in Denver OKC didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you no, know, it's uh, it's it's a different. It's a, those are great cities, uh, especially when you go to LA, where the weather is always good and you can go to the beach every day. 
of course, that makes life uh, a little easier. But at the same time, when you're an NBA player, I think that you travel, you, you spend so much time either in the gym or traveling that, yes, the city makes a difference, but at the end of the day, not that much. So. And do you feel like your experience already having time spent in New York kind of prepared you for a move to L.A.? So not to get not to get caught up in any uh, drama yeah. that L.A. brings or any uh, mm, any different, there's a lot of it. Yeah. Any different yeah. aspects of it. Yeah, I think so. I think that my experience in, in New York was uh, crucial for me to, you know, uh, handle myself in, uh, in, in L.A. Um, you know, it's very easy for a player in L.A. to with all the distractions and to lose sight of what the real goal and what your job is, you know, your daily job. And so um, that was helpful for me to stay in New York for those three years. Yeah. Um, I want to take a little bit of a detour in terms of just asking what it's like to be you in a day. What does a great day look like for you when everything comes together the way you want it to come together um, in LA and OKC? What did those days look like? Uh, it's honestly pretty simple. I'm a very humble guy and simple guy. So when I wake up in the morning, uh, if you know I'm living with my fiance now, if she's good, uh, I, it's already a perfect, a great step to wake up. And then <laughs> yeah. I talk to my, I talk to my family overseas in Italy. Once I know that they're fine, that's great. And then I go to practice. Uh, I have a very good practice. I do every day. I have every time I go to the facility. I have a goals that I have in mind that I need to achieve every day for me to go home happy. Uh, and once I do that, I mean, everything else is, is, it's just amazing. So, yeah. And you mentioned routinely kind of checking in with your family in Italy. And like you said before, family was a big part of how you grew up. How is it, um, specifically now kind of dealing with, um, thoughts about your family during this pandemic and how we were, you were both kind of closed off to each other, but still kind of worried, especially since, uh, in Milano, that was the, basically the epicenter of the disease in Italy. So how was that? Uh, it was tough. Um, honestly, it was tough because especially, you know, my dad, my brother, they were in the States, but for my mom, my mom was tough because she had to stay at home for almost three months quarantine. So, uh, you know, imagine yourself not going out the house only for groceries for three months. Uh, that's tough. And especially she was by herself. You know, my, my brother went to see my dad, so they were able to stay together. I was with my fiance, and then but my mom was by herself. And so mentally, that's the, 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 the part that I didn't like to be there. I was supporting her on FaceTime, but you can't mm -hmm. support that much uh, if you're not there physically. And so not to be next to her. Uh, that was the toughest part, but I'm glad that, you know, she was uh, strong enough to, you know, to make it and to still... Uh, be able to, you know, be still be happy and, you know, have a, a psychological support to the, to the family. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a very weird time. It's still a weird time. Um, I think something that's positive that at least I take away and I know Stefano has is um, focusing on like, what do I have control, you know, control your controllables. Um, I'm sure there was some time in the beginning, maybe you, I know for me, I relaxed a little bit and then I was like, well, hold up, hold up. I have to use this as a, as a time to really 
improve myself. Um, what areas did you feel like, okay, we're not playing or we're not training? Were you like, okay, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really hone in on this on my time to, to, to better myself. Uh, well, so you know, it's, it's uh, the thing that I was focusing on is everything but basketball. So, yeah. you know, I, I, have a, I have a lot of businesses that I do. And so I was spending a lot more time on that. Waking up in the morning and instead of talking, for example, instead of talking to my CPA once every three days, I was talking to him every day. Uh, to the financial managers that I work with, I was talking to them instead of once a month, once a week. Uh, I was going through contracts that usually I, usually I have people reading them for me. Uh, I was reading everything. So just studying, studying and understanding the businesses that I invest in a little bit more. Um, and also I had the chance to uh, go back and play my guitar a little bit that I was yeah. playing five, six years ago in Denver. Now I'm playing hmm. again. Um, and of course, the... Uh, Yarache family is is, is uh, better than than me, but is uh, oh, stop it, stop it. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's something that I like to do. But that's and then you know is it was great. Uh, we always saying that you know I was living with my fiance in OKC, and I was like, listen, if we make it this through this quarantine, we good for life because you know, <laughs> there you go. Spend so much time together, tw- really twenty four seven in the house. Like is is it could be tough, but honestly, it was amazing to me. I had a great time. So, and do you guys have a, a date for the wedding yet? Not yet, because it depends on the next NBC. <laughs> it depends mm-hmm. on you know the 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 schedule that we got with the Italian national team. It's all in the air, so you don't know. Mm. That's great. That's well, congratulations, man. Yeah, that's big. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then how is how is uh, you've been talking a lot about OKC, but then how was that transition to a place like LA with where the lights are brightest to Oklahoma City, where it's kind of a little more, more laid back? Yeah. yeah. How was that for you? Um, I mean, after all these experiences and all these years, it was an easy process for me. It was not that easy for Eleonora, for my oh, wow. <laughs> for my fiance, because you know she loved LA. She was used to she was starting to get used to LA. And to go to OKC is completely different. Uh, but, you know, she got used to it. And then we all got used to it together. We started to find, you know, different restaurants and different things to do. Um, it took a while, but then, you know, then we were able to find our own, you know, our own little world inside OKC. And I know a lot of people kind of um, downplayed how good the thunder your team could be this year especially at the beginning of the season a lot of people were just saying that it would be a kind of a rebuilding year for you guys but you guys have really like proven a lot of people wrong so how is how are you going into these playoffs now and the the restart of the nba year how are you going into it with kind of a a mentality of really trying to make a playoff push and eventually a, a a championship push well i think it was since the beginning of the season we knew that we were uh we were a playoff team uh, we didn't know that we were going to be fighting for the fourth spot. But, of course, um, we knew that we were a good team. Um, I think that we did something special uh, this, this season. Uh, but, you know, the confidence when you win, um, 
more games that you lose, the confidence gets higher and you get more confidence with your team, with your teammates. And so you want to do something special. I think that we have the chance to uh, go uh, forward in the playoffs. And so that's what, what, what we want to do. And especially, you know, to all the work that we put in since September of last year uh, to just, you know, make uh, the presence in the first round and get out. That's not what we want to do. So. Yeah. And with bigger aspirations like that as a team, I think it's really important to kind of have leaders on that team. And I know now you are kind of the leader of uh, one of the leaders of this team, which has uh, several young players that are trying to develop themselves and uh, they need some guidance sometimes. So how is it for you being kind of a, a leader now in this, in this playoff push and trying to get a championship with a, a younger squad? I think it's great. I think it's a position that I've always been in since I was little, uh, younger, younger guy, even handling or I had to deal with older guys, even when I was in Italy. Um, but I think is when you are a player and you get to this point, I think it's great to see how you can help other players and be a leader uh, for other other players, not just on the court but also outside the court. Um, and I think that we have a great chemistry between you know the veterans and the young guys, and I think that that's that that's one of the secrets why this team is a, is a team that has a winning record in the regular season. So you've had this pretty incredible career going from Italy and to America and these trades and then bouncing back when it was hard. And I'm wondering in my head right now, I'm thinking, and I'm done ask this question right now, because as an athlete, you always want to know, it's always like, you always like, what are the secrets coach? Like, what's up? Like, what's the secret to life? There's no secret to life other than working hard, but what are some of the things that you felt you know set you apart you know for me it's like and I know a lot of guys talk about sleep but like like what are your thoughts on and like really just even just as simple as what are your thoughts on sleep what do you really take care of especially for training as a basketball player how big is food for you those kind of things I'm just curious from a performance standpoint um well I think that now I understand all this stuff a lot more than when I was younger uh, but you know, when, when you are young, you just want to go to the gym, play basketball and that's it. You're not really preparing yourself, but w- the older you get, the, the more you understand that your body is what you need to work. If your body, if your legs are not underneath you, the, you know, you're not going to perform that day. Uh, sleep for me is huge. Uh, I need to get my seven, eight hours of sleep every night. If I don't, uh, I, when I was 18, I was okay. If I, right now, if I don't do that, I feel it. I'm mm-hmm. going to feel it today. So that's a huge difference. Uh, food is key. Uh, I always say that the food is like putting gasoline in your car. If you put yeah. the wrong gasoline, the car ain't going to work. So you need to put the right, the right gasoline, the right stuff in your body in order for your body to work uh, at best. And so uh, I think that, you know, on the educational side, in Italy, food and sleep is something that we have been, you know, edu- educated very well since we are young. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, what I found out here, especially, you know, in the NBA and stuff, the food was not something that people were taking really good care about. But now it's way better. The NBA in general has spent a lot, invested a lot of money, you know, under the, 
making sure that players understand how food how important is food. So um um this is a funny question, but you gotta tell us what your favorite meal is. I like pasta, man. Pasta <laughs> and I actually yeah. I need, uh I have my, my routine when I play a game, I always eat pasta for lunch before the game. But the pasta I need my my carbs and so I, I I eat a lot of pasta on game day. Are you making that yourself or uh your fiance or the team chef? When when I was uh by myself, I was doing it by myself. But now that I'm living with her, she's very good. So I'm, I'm She's I'm, is she the better <laughs> pasta maker or are you? Pasta, I gotta say I'm pretty good. She's that oh. <laughs> every everything else, but pasta is not yeah. what's your like go to? Like I love carbonara. That's that's uh, yeah, I melt when I have that. Yeah, we in the same page. I like that one too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's trying right. to figure out how to get it al dente the right way. If I said that right, yeah, you gotta, um, you gotta cook it the right way. I, I know you've had uh, kind of to just like wrap what we're doing up. Uh, you've had a great long career so far, and you're still going. You still have many years left. Um, but as athletes, I think it's also important to kind of think ahead and try to make sure you're setting yourself up for a future after basketball that you are interested in and you need. So what are you kind of looking for post basketball? I know you have a lot of uh, interest in business. Like you said, you've opened up a, several restaurants. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you're looking for in the future? So the goal is that when you, you have to, and I always tell this to the young guys too. So uh, the NBA career is very short. Let's say that you are lucky enough that you play 10 seasons in the NBA, right? You need to use and invest the time and the money that you make in those 10 years to have a great life for the next 70 years. Because mm. after you're done, let's say that you're 30, 35, you're going to leave until 80. What are you going to do the next 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? So, but we are so lucky that we can use the money that we make in those 10 years to make a difference for ourselves and our families for the next 40 years. And that's a very crucial and important concept. So my goal is that, okay, uh, I'm a guy that when I wake up in the morning, I need to do something. So it's not that when I retire, I just retire and stay home all day. I cannot do that. But I want to be able to live out of my investments. So I make some investments and I want to make sure that if I don't work, let's say that I don't work, I want to make sure that my investments give me enough return that I'm able to live me and my family out of that return. Mm. Uh, and, and that's, that's a goal that I have in, in my mind during my basketball career. And hopefully I'll, I'll be able to do. And are you interested in any specific, like, uh, ventures or investments like uh i know you're big on the restaurants are do you do you want to follow through with that or even look at somewhere else no i don't want to follow through with that <laughs> no restaurants are hard man <laughs> uh, restaurants are hard it's something that the idea just just for fun and it's nice to understand the business and everything but i like real estate more mm. than you know restaurants and so real estate is something that the best is the, the the business that I understand the most is the part of my portfolio that I like the most. And so that's something that I would be interested in doing, uh, actually doing as, as a job um, when I'm done playing. And kind of lastly, if you had 
if you had something to tell your younger self, especially when you were kind of growing up into the basketball world, especially around 16 to 18, what is one thing looking back now that you would tell yourself and that other young people listening to this could kind of take away and take forward with them in the future? Um, well, one mistake, I, I did two big mistakes. And these are mistakes that unfortunately I paid uh, in the, in, you know, growing up. The first thing is that I only played basketball. And that's something that if I go back, I will have, or my kids, I would tell my kids to play all kinds of sports. Mm. Uh, I was playing so much basketball that that was the only thing that I played. And I think that it's very important to play other sports too for your body, your muscles. You work different muscles. You get your body used to, to different moves. It's not just basketball. So that's the first mistake that I did. The second one is to take care of my body. So I was just going to the gym and doing a basketball workout for four hours, five hours. But I was not preparing myself for that workout. Mm. So, so one thing that you can do it when you're younger, I was not doing it, but you definitely can do it. So study your body, understand your body and have somebody that can help you uh, personalize your, your workouts and, and, you know, tell you that, okay, this is good for you. This is not good for you. So do a, uh, like an individual workout or individual like uh, routine that can help you preparing for that season or for that practice. Yeah. It's vital. It's vital. I'm post injury. I'm, and I'm sure this happened to you too. You, you, uh, you lock it a lot more and you're like, Oh, this, this is what turns my body on. This is what turns it off. I need to do this to do my deep tissue. I need to do this to work on my mobility, to get warmed up, to activate, you know, you find what works for you, but it is like literally, I mean, during this quarantine, I was having some back issues, some other things. And I was like, no, I'm taking this into my hands. I don't have my physios. It's, it's up to me. And so I really, I took out the anatomy book and I took out, you know, things, uh, you know, readings on the body and I did my homework and it, it really, it pays dividends when you learn about who you are from a physical standpoint as well. And that's something that we as players, the players have to understand is if you are a PT that is studying in college to be a PT, is different from a player. A player like us can get that book, study that book, and really feel what we are reading or studying. So it's an easy, easier mental process for us to transform what we read into actions. But for maybe a, you know, a guy that just wants to be a PT and really doesn't have the experience on his body of what the body, on, on how the body really responds to any kind of stuff that you do it's easier for us as players yeah um and then I, I think i'd be a fool not to say this but athletes it can be dark you know it can be dark it's a it's, it can be a lonely journey sometimes um and i'm wondering what's like a motto what's your self-talk um what's something that you tell yourself for me like i have a tattoo that says control over power i have a friend who says lead with your heart and these are like our things that stick with us, but what's something that you've always said to yourself to help you keep moving forward? Or is there not one thing? YOLO, baby. You only live <laughs> once. You gotta, try, gotta go hard and try everything. You only got yeah. one life. So, I mean, you know, God doesn't give us too many lives. You only live one. If you, every day, you gotta live it to the fullest. So. Yeah. Great. And uh, 
with that, we just, that was a lot of great things that we talked about and we really appreciate you coming on, Danilo. Thanks for uh, hopping on in the bubble. No problem. And uh, with that, we'd like to thank everybody else for listening to the podcast and we hope you join us on the next episode of Make the Jump.